Welcome to the Top Order Podcast World Test Championship time. Lots and lots going on. Which keeper to India pick? Their side looks more difficult to balance with their bowling options. Warner announcing a six-month lap of honour. We're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss Josh Hazelwood's injury and Michael Neeser coming into the squad. We'll also wrap up England versus Ireland at the home of cricket. All coming up on the Top Order Podcast. Stay tuned. Well, boys, uh, just the three of us here this evening. Raj tied up with a presentation, so um, we've got a little bit more time on our PowerPoints, haven't we, this evening to mm. go through uh, various bits and pieces. So we've obviously got the World Test Championship final coming up. Um, we've just seen the first Test match of the English summer at Lords as well from a domestic standpoint. And then it comes thick and fast after that in terms of Test cricket across mm. the Ashes series, which we'll preview on uh, probably next week's uh, next week's show, um, but I'm sure we are going to talk a couple of little bits of you know permutations and um, and what this means for yeah for the Ashes as we move forward as well, particularly as we wrap up England versus Ireland. But Lippy, I think you wanted to open things up, didn't you, with regard to this World Test Championship final? Yeah, well, I mean, you've already mentioned the Ashes there, right? So uh, my question is kind of last time World Test Championship, last time around. It was the first time. It was a novelty. Certainly from a New Zealand point of view, we were really, really into it. We were like, here's our chance, right? Here's our chance to go in and win an ICC event. Second time around, has it lost any luster? I mean, from from a New Zealand point of view, certainly like when you look on the Crick Info site, today was the first day actually that I'd seen the World Test Championship as the number one billing. The last couple of days when I've been looking at, obviously England, Ireland stuff's been playing, but World Test Championship news has kind of been way down the list in terms of like even some of the, you know, bilateral series going on and stuff. So for for me, it at least hasn't felt like it's been hyped up as much, but I mean, Baldy, I'll come to you straight away because your, your side is in it. Is this a, is this a big event? Oh, look, it has to be. So not just because Australia's playing and, and maybe for New Zealanders, not just because New Zealand isn't playing. This mm. is a big event and, mm. it, and it has to be for the success of Test Cricket as the ICC see it. So mm. if the ICC are going to have this Future Tours program and schedule of, of major, let's call them major events, World Cups and, and Test Championship finals where there's something on every year, mm. then there has to be emphasis on the World Test Championship final as being a thing. And if we're going to have a protracted series of opportunities to play test cricket in the future this has to be the pinnacle effectively for all cricketing nations if test if test cricket is going to have meaning going forward so it has to be it's almost not too big to fail but i think in, in the icc's mind this is their marquee now test um pinnacle if you like um, and it has to be a success for them I think you've got two very competitive teams that we're going to preview in this championship you've got two teams that I think if the ICC were to pick who they'd want to be playing in the final I think they would pick Australia and India in the final purely for you know you know, partisan interest and bums on seats and eyes on TVs in in those major uh, nation, in, i.e. India, mm. um, but also because there's going to be some very, very competitive and some probably quite abrasive test cricket being played over five or six days. You've given a very PC answer, but you haven't actually answered the question. Do you care about this? Oh, this absolutely. A hundred percent. Absolutely. This is, a, this is the only World Cup that Australia haven't won mm. and we're in the final and we want to win it and we just got our ass handed to us by India in India not that long ago mm. and we got our ass handed to us a couple of a uh, couple of tours ago in Australia yes. absolutely Australia wants to win this test match and Australian cricket fans want their team to win this test I'll pose a question at the end of this in fact okay. I'll pose a question now and then I'll, oh, I'll have, ask I'll me have think my about say. but um would you rather win this than the Ashes um, in this in this English summer? So if, mm-hmm. if if success of this tour for you, and I'll come back to you on okay. this, um, but you know, would you rather win this one-off game, um, which is, I, I guess, that sort of uh, culmination of you know three years hard work, or, or would you rather win the Ashes series? Mm-hmm. And I'll come back to you on that. Okay. L- Lippy, look, I guess my, my view on this is is as a you know a neutral. Um, I, I think I can't be completely neutral because it has a little bit of a bearing on the rest of the English summer. But if mm. I kind of take that out of the, out of the mix. The disappointing thing for me, and look, this is, you know, we've known this since the start of the schedule. Yeah. Um, we, we've had some question marks around how this all pieces together. You know, England, Australia, India to an extent playing, you know, 18, 19 test matches over the cycle. Mm. Other nations playing nine or 10 test matches in that same cycle, mm. which, which probably doesn't mean that this is actually a, a true reflection of the last three years worth of cricket. 
Um, I, I would push I, back on you. On the, I do think these are the two best teams. You know, England's obviously been fantastic for the last twelve months, but I would say the course of the three years, I think we've probably got the right two sides. I I do agree with you that like you don't get the reflection because of all the different. Well, you games. don't get the reflection because some teams don't get the ability to play twenty Test matches. So, yeah. um, look, I, I think what, what I'm saying is the format is flawed. Yes, oh, yes um, absolutely. And, and then the secondary component is if this game peters into a draw, they share the mace. Mm. Which, again, when you've put that sort of three years worth of, of work into it, and Border, you've said it's the only world um, trophy, crown, whatever you want to call it, that you, you, you haven't won, then sharing it would seem a little bit sort of hollow, I guess. Um, oh, sharing it would suck. Yeah. Share, sharing it would be a, a really, really poor outcome. Yeah. So, so um, I think there's given, some format issues that, oh, abso- absolutely. that, that play into this. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's, there's flaws in the format. Um, Teams play don't play each other twice, home and away. Yep. Teams don't play the same number of tests, either in series or in total. There's heaps of flaws in this format. It's better than it was last time, I think, insofar as the point scoring is slightly more balanced than it was previously. But, you know, there's still flaws in the format, not least of which is that there's nothing, there's no benefit for finishing top of the table in this kind of league thing. It's and not even, like the Sheffield Shield, is it? Where if, no. you, if you go in number one on the ladder and it's a draw, then you... you yeah, you, you get home you get, and all you need is first innings in yeah. the Sheffield Shield. Uh, so it's up to the team, basically the team do you finishing even need Sheff- Do you even need first innings? You need first innings, yeah. Oh, um, but has that changed recently? Because it used to be a draw would have seen you win the Sheffield Shield if you were going in as the, the team at the top of the uh, table, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll check that. I'll, I'll fact check that and come back yeah. to you. But I thought you need, still needed first innings. Um... I know that the the team finishing second definitely needs to win outright. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, the the team finishing second needs to do something to advance the game because like there's like they finish second all we want is a draw. It's at a neutral venue. There's no advantage to the team finishing first, and that's yet another problem. So, um, I, I yeah, it's a flawed system, um, but I think we do have probably on balance of the full whatever two and a half years the two years whatever it is mm. the the two most consistent teams it's they're not the the form team in world cricket well, i think we'd all agree that england is the form team in world cricket at the moment but unfortunately for them their first 12 months couldn't allow them to capitalize on their second 12 months yeah yeah i mean yeah we've we've talked about that a little bit mm. in that uh and how ridiculous this turnaround has been for england i, I will sort of give my own two cents worth on what this means for India and, and, and their fans. And I think this is really important for them. You know, I, I know that uh, India, we talk about India as the, you know, the biggest nation and all that kind of stuff, but they haven't won a world title for, for, a, for quite a long, a long time. time. Mm, it's yeah. been 2011 since the cricket 50 world, over world 50 cup. over world cup. They, I think they won the champions trophy in 2013, maybe, but since then, there's been a lot of runners up and a lot of you know semi-finals. semifinals. There's been a lot of disappointment for yes. Indian fans. A lot of what they would perceive to be underachievement. I think Indian fans still think that they underachieved in the last World Test Championship final, yep. where they were beaten by New Zealand. Yeah, they were beaten pretty comprehensively, to be fair. But you know, I think Indian fans would have thought we should win this game, oh, and I absolutely. think Indian fans will go into this game expecting to beat Australia. Yeah, yeah, Ben. So we've, I've just checked on the Sheffield oh, Shield. You. So it is first innings. It didn't used to be first innings. Yep. So we were kind of um, along the right lines. But let's come back before we sort of move on and preview the two teams for this and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the English conditions in the Duke's ball suit X or Y. Oh, yeah. Um, Bordy, let's come back to that question. So Ash is all winning the World Test Championship final. Uh, what, what would be, yeah, what would be the, I guess, the, the ideal for you? And clearly it's going to be both. But if it could only be one, which would it be? Well... And this is, I think this is the problem for me because I, I am a bit of a traditionalist and I'm a traditionalist's traditionalist in that I would rather Australia, particularly having not won it for a while in England, win the Ashes in England. Um, it would be a bitter pill to swallow if we were to lose to India. Um, but if we beat England away in this particular summer... Um, given the strength of the English side and their strength at home and the fact that we haven't won away for such a long period of time, I would take winning the Ashes over winning the World Test Championship this time around. Um, ordinarily speaking, I think you know, lots of fans would take, take, take a mace, take a gong, take, take the silverware. 
But in this particular instance, this Ashes series coming up, as we'll talk about in our preview show in a couple of weeks, means a lot to Australian fans. Well, and I, I think that's a reflection. I don't, and I don't say this in a in a mean, vindictive way, but I think that's a reflection of Australia's won a lot of titles. Like for for New yes. Zealand, winning yep. that World Test Championship meant every absolutely everything because yep. we just don't have those ICC the amount of gongs that you guys have, and yep. so. Yeah, I, it, it, I, it's, that's why I said I think India it's it's possibly more valuable to them to win this. And and look, I'm I'm coming at it from a very very biased point of view in that I I value the Ashes series as a very very um, important pinnacle of Australian Test cricket yeah. achievement, um, one that is very traditional. It goes back a hundred years or more, etc. etc. So you know the World Test Championship is also very very new. All that yeah. it doesn't have quite the same amount of history. I'm not. I'm not underestimating or or, um, or making excuses in advance or anything like that. I'm, that's just my point of view. Yeah, and look, I'm glad you you, you kind of came round on that uh, point from a New Zealand perspective. That for you, uh, you know, for yeah. a New Zealander, um, it's the it's the pinnacle. Uh, you know, for me as an Englishman, if we were in this final and the Ashes followed it afterwards, 100%, I would want to win the Ashes more than a you know, it, even though it's the culmination of four years, like. Mm. I'd rather be one of the best two teams in the world at a given point and then win the biggest bilateral series. And I think if it was England versus India um, in a series, five-match series, I'd say exactly the same thing. Mm. Um, pro- probably, you know, if it was England-West Indies or um, England-Pakistan, then, you know, that would probably be a bit more of a conversation. But I think when you've got a, a scenario, I think, where you would trade off a bilateral series win for the world test championship there's something not quite right from a you know from a former and and a kudos um perspective agreed let's come on to the two teams we'll we'll start with we'll start with australia because i think australia uh, news broke today that josh hazelwood is out of the squad for the world test championship michael neeser who's been playing some county cricket uh, and been going pretty well actually smashing it for for glamorgan i think has has come into the squad um probably will be harsh if he comes into the starting 11 ahead of the world's best bowler scotty boland um but in terms of that you know in terms of that australia team if we just go back and look at um because this could be this will be a 30 second segment otherwise i would say so but if we go back and look at um australia versus india in I met about the final test of that series that uh, took place in the winter where, as you said, Buddy you got your arses handed to you. Um, <laughs> Warner was injured, wasn't he, I think, for that final test? Yes, so you had he- Head, Kawaja, Labashane, Smith, Peter Hanscom, Cameron Green, Alex Carey, Stark, Lyon, Murphy and Kuhneman. Um, so I think if you kind of look at that as the, you know, as the last, you know, the last test match um, that you played, um, it's pretty obvious, I think, where you're going to go in terms of, yeah, in terms of the next, uh, yeah, the next sort of three or four days. But yeah, any... Any permutations that you think the selectors are thinking about leading into the game, or is it as simple as six batters, um, including Cameron Green, Carey at seven, and then uh, Boland comes in for for Hazelwood, and you've got Stark and Cummins? I think that's going to be the outcome that the Australian selectors will reach. I think there's a genuine conversation about what does Michael Nisa offer in terms of his additional batting. Um, if you have a look at the I mean, Australia's going to need every possible advantage that they can get to to win this test match. India are a very, very good side. They have got some real X factor in their team, still even in English conditions, and we'll get into that um, as as we come to the kind of keys to victory. But... I think Australia will very strongly consider Michael Neeser's form with bat and ball, and then they'll choose Scott Boland. The yeah. reason I think that they'll choose Scott <laughs> Boland is because he actually solves a bit of a problem that Australia had when Hazelwood was in the side, and that is what do they do with their opening bowling combination mm. and what do they do with Mitchell Stark? I think having Scott Boland come in and bowl really, really tight lines and nip the ball about a bit and keep batters honest, I think actually does Australia a bit of a favour. I think they should open with Scott Boland, have him bowl three or four overs up front, really, really tight lines, try and make um, the Indian openers play every single ball that they can in those first 18 to 24 deliveries that he gives them. Mm. The lacquer wears off the ball a little bit, and then they give it to Mitchell Stark, and he does what he normally does in Australian conditions, which is run in and try and swing the ball from ball one. What that gives me is 
we're not letting the batters off the hook in their first 10 deliveries by having them either play, not play balls and leave them go and get good sighters or get bad balls if Stark is not 100% on the money and then hit the ball for four. Like yeah. it, that, there's a bit of pressure building with Scott Boland there and then Stark can come in as soon as the ball starts to swing, it gets into Stark's hand and he starts targeting the stumps. I really like that from an Australian combination point of view. Yeah, and look, I think playing with the Duke's cricket ball, which we've, uh, I think I mentioned earlier on, yep. I think that plays into that plans hands as well because the Dukes will swing for a little bit longer than the Kookaburra normally Kookaburra would go for the first 8-10 overs and then it goes quiet and then it goes quiet whereas you've got that opportunity you know literally two bites of that cherry Stark is in the game for longer in England and it means that he doesn't have to take the first ball and do his damage in the first two or three overs of his spell to be effective in English conditions Mm. cool let's move on and talk about India's uh, permutations and we'll come back and talk some other talking points as well we've Mm -hmm. got got to go into detail probably about keepers and um, David Warner's lap of honour and a few other bits and pieces as well but if, if we start with the same premise as uh, India in India um, so the side that they picked for, for that fourth test in Ahmedabad against Australia Sharma, Gill, Pajara, Kohli then two spinners Jadeja and Patel split by the keeper Shrika Barat um, so yeah we got um, Ravi Ashwin as well so a third spinning option an all-rounder yeah, option um, and then the three seamers Yadav, Shami and Shreya Sire. I guess the notable thing there is how high Ravi Jadeja's batting in that, in that order well he batted well, he, he batted up because and then if we kind of look at the um, England test match last summer so they finished off that series um, Gil Pajara Vahari who won't play Kohli Pant who won't play Aya who won't play um, Jadeja Thakur Shami Bumrah who, who won't, won't play, play. <laughs> and then uh, and then Siraj down at the bottom so we've got probably a few more questions around uh, around India particularly those permutations in you know probably whether or not they managed to get Ashwin um, and Jadeja mm. um, is Axar a question there as well if, how you get him in the side I probably don't think so no. um, we then got Ishan Kishan um, and, and Barat and, and I think if you kind of look at how they might need to balance that side it probably leans towards uh, Kishan uh, yeah, p- playing ahead of Barat doesn't it from a batting perspective I was thinking the same thing and I, yeah I've sort of gone through all these permutations in my head I mean actually if you look at the last I went back and looked at the last World Championship final Test, World Test Championship final and many of those players are, are very much the same their lineup then was Rohit, Gil, Pujara, Kohli, Rahane which may well be the, the top I, five I think that will be their top five again and yep. then you go Punt, Jadeja, Ashwin Ishant, Bumrah, Shami. So, you know, a few changes, obviously punt changes, and then you go into a few different changes with the bowlers, but mm. Shami, Ashwin, Jadeja, it, it's very, very similar. And I think I, I sort of started questioning, could you play Jadeja at five to kind of get your, you know, in the batting lineup to sort of get your two spinners in there? And then you have, because basically these days I almost feel like there's enough runs going around in test cricket and actually bowling is sometimes bowling is the hardest thing I mean I'm just sort of thinking back to the the New Zealand summer even some of the conditions there where England just stood there and smashed it at, at various times and, and you know you sit there and watch England play at the moment and batting looks very easy even Ireland when they were out to bat sometimes made it look quite simple at times and then you go and think well what we need to do is to be able to get 20 wickets and if they play Jadeja at 5 who I think I went back and looked, he's he's averaged 42 with the bat since 2016. Mm. So it's not like, so, I mean, we've talked about him as, you know, world's best all-rounder, you know, even plus those, all the plus-minus stats that you've done. I mean, he he's he's right up there with and the he best is a in thorn, the world. And he is a thorn in Australia's side, Ravindra Jadeja. Mm. He and Ravindra Chandra and Ashwin both are thorns in Australia's side. I had them down here in my hastily scribbled notes prior to recording as being the keys to India's um, victory, both with the ball and also with the bat. They have managed to, and I don't know if this is just my biased recollection of the scorecards, (laughs) but I, I feel like every time we play India, we have India four or five for as much as we want them to be, and then one of those two or both and or Akshar gets 80 and looks impenetrable and India end up with a you know a match winning first innings total so mm. if I was India I would be not banking on those two to make runs but I would be having both of them play regardless of where where they play in front of Vishen Kishan or behind Vishen Kishan like Jadeja and Ashwin at 7 and 8 is a really really handy combination of of bowling capability in all conditions and also 
allows them to have effectively three number 11s at 9, 10, 11. Mm. Um, and if they play Takur, then they give them a little bit more punch. But if they play Unadkat and Siraj and Shami, then they're going to have, you know, three pretty number 11-ish number 11s at, yeah. at 9, 10, 11. Well, I think it's probably more likely, I think, to be Umish Yedef. Yes, that, yes, actually, he's the probably the one probably that comes they, they in forward, and, yeah. and be that, you know, third or fourth seamer, depending on what what your class, Shadal Takur. But so you, you think you go Shami, Takur and... Uh, I think Shakur will play just the way that they want to balance yeah. their side. And, it, I mean, you just in terms of all of the – I often go and look around at the articles and things because you can – I mean, you can't always gleam everything from that, but th- there's always comments from the camp and things. And, it, I don't know, everything seems to me to be pointing that Takur will play and, and maybe the decision is based around should we play an extra third seam – or an extra seamer in Yadav or do we play Ashwin as – I mean – it still boggles my mind that Ashwin can be considered not to play, but we saw when they went over and played against England, there were yeah. a number of games that, that he didn't play in those conditions. And, yeah, even thinking back to that World Test Championship final last time around, Jadeja was was pretty much a non-event with the ball. Ashwin bowled very, very well in that, in that game. And that's the thing, right? Like, honestly, if you, if you give Australia six bowlers from which India has to pick five... Ravind Chandran Ashwin is probably the first bowler that Australia will go. Yeah, we're we're happy not to face him. Yeah, really. Like they are that they are the keys to victory. If Australia are to win this World Test Championship, as you said, both of those guys have to be a non-factor with bat and ball. And if they don't pick them, like I, I just don't see Umesh. And I'm this is you know I'm obviously going to be wrong saying this, right? And I'm sure that having said it. Umesh Yadav is going to, you know, get eight or nine for the match and bowl India to victory. But I just can't, like, if that's what wins India the World Test Championship final, then kudos to them. Mm. Because if you look at their side and the strengths that they have, you would expect their victory to come from Ashwin and Yadav, their best two bowlers, bowling the majority of their overs and or getting the majority of their wickets and putting Australia under some real pressure. Yeah, well, and I think, um, well, I, I actually think those those two seamers up front, Shami and uh, and Siraj as well, uh, are pretty crucial in that. But just before we kind of move on to all of that kind of stuff, you talked about the keepers before. I had the same thought, like if they're going to... Basically, playing Kishan gives them a bit more opportunity to potentially, you know, weaken their weaken their batting lineup if we want by picking more bowlers. Yeah. But actually, when you go and like, I think partly that's because in your head, Ishan Kishan's been playing IPL, scoring runs, bats at the top of the order, smashes it around in white ball cricket. If you actually look at their first class records, I was very surprised to see that his he averages thirty eight with the bat in first class cricket. Barat averages thirty seven. Like there's not it's not like there's a huge difference there. Yes, you know, there are we see now, like Rahani's got himself back in form by playing T twenty cricket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Barat has hardly been playing. Kishan's been playing IPL at the high you know, sort of that high pressure environment, scoring starting to get into a bit of form, looking good again. I don't know. I think it's just it's, it's a different sort of conversation than I thought. I kind of just assumed in my head, Ishan Kishan's the better batter if you want to play him. One-off game. One-off game. Yeah. He gives you more options. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's a toss of the coin, to be quite honest. Yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, I think I've written in my notes that I've got Kishan um, playing. I think it gives the ability. And I think, again, white ball form is, is playing an important factor in this. You know, we had some question marks about David Warner. Um, before the IPL, he's actually had a pretty decent tournament, uh, pretty decent IPL. Mm. What, what do you make, Baldy? Because um, I think we've sort of sorted out the fact that you know we, we're we're flipping a coin on a couple of decisions in that Indian side, mm. whether or not probably they they go with um, the core or whether they potentially go with uh, Yadav. Um, Rahani's nailed on to about five. We think. I would thought. I would think so. I th- yeah. yeah, I think the yeah. only option that he doesn't is if they go with Jadeja at five and then just stack, stack, stack the bowlers, six bowlers, then stack it with stack yeah. it with all your all rounders and and yeah, have Ashwin and Takur and yeah. uh, and Jadeja all in the mix there and 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 play Kishan and sort of you have a lot of bit part players that can get you down to about eight and I mean that to be honest that might still be enough but yeah yeah. Well, let, well, let's see what happens at the toss in, in a few <laughs> yeah. days' time. But, Bordy, let, let's move on and talk about David Warner. Some comments um, from him. He's announced his victory lap pretty early. Uh, so he wants to bow out at the Sydney cricket ground um, in the Australian summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, look, I, I think it's... 
it's a real difficult one, isn't it? Um, we look back into Australian cricket, let alone world cricket, and there's been some players that would have loved to have bowed out on their uh, home turf. I, I go back, you know, from a selfish perspective, I look at Ian Healy. Ian Healy, yeah. would have liked one more game in Brisbane, wouldn't he? But they bought Gilchrist in, he got 87 and a leg side stumping on debut and no one ever really looked back. <laughs> um, so I, I guess in terms of, you know, Warner's comments, do you think that just probably gives him a little bit more pressure um, which might help him through the, you know, the last six or seven games of his career, potentially. Yeah, it puts the Australian selectors in a bit of an unenvious position as well. He's basically said, I'm playing the rest of this um, Ashes thinking. and also the Australian summer. Um, great. If, like, if he's going to make runs, fantastic. But if he goes through the English summer and this World Test Championship final and he scores 120 runs in, in you know, 10 or 11 bats and doesn't really trouble the, doesn't really trouble the scorers too much... It's a, it's a bit of a tough question to say. Well, you know, do you do you get the whole Australian summer, which is a big Australian summer too, by the way. There's, yeah. you know, we're not playing mug sides down down in Australia and over that summer period to give him another ten bats down in Australia. Like he's basically said, I want twenty two more innings, please, and then I'll retire. He's going to have to score some runs at some point, um, and he's going to have to score some runs in that English series. In his mind, does that give him some clarity? I hope so. Um, I hope that what he has done has given himself some clarity and a runway to go, right, I've got this much time left. I'm going to be really decisive in what I do in that period because if he if he is decisive, he's often a better cricketer for it. He's yeah. often a better cricketer when he's up for the fight, when he feels like he's got some kind of something going against him or someone is antagonising him or he's got a point to prove. And if his point to prove is I'm going to show everyone that I'm still as good at th- whatever he is, 36, 37, 30 yeah. something, as I was at 20 something, then great. But, you know, it will be an interesting conversation if after three test matches in the Ashes, Broad's gone through him five <laughs> times and he's, and he's not gone past 20. That will be a really, really yeah. interesting conversation. And then the conversation becomes, oh, if not him, then who? A um, couple more points before we come on to predictions. Let's talk about, we mentioned the Duke's cricket ball. Who do we think that favours leading into, yeah, leading into this game, one-off one off game? I think immediately your thought process goes, well, it favours not India. Like traditionally, that's that's the thought that comes. But I think they've shown over so many, you know, it's actually sort of almost ten years now. I think of of the way that their crickets developed and the the way they've been going overseas, starting with Dhoni, start you know, and into Kohli's captaincy, going overseas, winning Test series. They're a good they're a good polling side, and the guys I just mentioned before, Siraj and Shami. I know we're talking about white ball formats. But they were the form, I think, you know, very, if they weren't the top two seamers by form and I don't know what they finished up with wickets-wise in terms of the actual pure numbers, but just from looking at them bowling, the way that they run in, they knock off the top and I don't Mm -hmm. don't think that changes. Like, yes, it's a different format. Yes, they're trying to bowl different areas perhaps, but they still in those, in the T20 format, that's their job to go on and take wickets early on, particularly Siraj. And he did that tremendously well and I mean he led that RCB attack and then they, the rest of them were, were pretty average and that's kind of what, what fell away from them but those two were the Duke's ball Shammy in particular yeah. that seem, I mean the seam position is the thing that you always think about with him and yeah. it just uh, some of the balls that he bowled actually I, you know obviously I'm going to bring it back to that Southampton game it kind of this brings back all those memories I remember that second innings of that he came on to bowl a spell and it just swung miles. And this was like 20, 30 overs into that innings. And he was still that same position, just hits it and it just goes. And you know, even after it hits the pitch. So yeah, he's going to be a real handful if the conditions are right for him. The name that immediately I circled on my little bit of paper here was Muhammad Chami because mm. of his seam presentation. He mm. presents the seam as, as perfectly in air quotes, and I use those air quotes advisedly, as any bowler in world cricket. Mm. However... I think for them to be successful, they're also going to have to master the Jimmy Anderson wobble scene, right? They're going to have to use all of their skill to present both the perfect scene that will swing effectively out of the hand and also the wobble scene that will swing late or pitch and nip those kinds of those kinds of skills. Mm. I think that they are perfectly suited, Siraj and Shami, to execute and exploit those kinds of skills. If you ask the man on the street, who does this favour? you know, the Duke's cricket ball, Cummins and Stark and Co, or Siraj and Shami, I think most people would pick the Australian bowlers. Yeah. I actually think it's a lot closer than a lot of people think. And I think that the India don't lose much 
having the Duke's cricket ball as opposed to the you know the ball that they play with and yeah, the conditions true, they yeah. play with in India. So I don't think that the Duke's ball favours Australia as much as Australians would like to think and as much as you look at it on paper and the quality of Stark Cummins' Boland yeah. would make it appear. And, and on conditions, I mean, what, what does the Oval have to offer us in terms... I, I went back and looked at a couple of the recent first-class games, but you've probably got a much better you know, idea of generally what the Oval offers to international sides coming to visit there. Yeah, look, I think historically, and I'll come on to the, I'll come on to the pitch and the conditions in a set, but I think just from a Duke's ball perspective, as we finish up on that point, and mm. um, I've got a slightly different take on it, which is less about the bowlers and more about the batters. So mm-hmm. I think if we go back, uh, it's got to be probably, I'll get the years wrong. So yeah, put, drop a note in the comments if I get this horribly <laughs> wrong, but I think Virat Kohli came over 2010 to England and, and basically didn't score a run in, in a test series there and I think made it his mission that he wanted to come back and actually prove that he could bat against that you know that moving ball and I think it would have been 2013-14 India came back and had a pretty good uh, pretty good showing in the test matches there uh, and I think the same with the, you know the likes of Rahane um, the likes of uh, Rohit Sharma uh, the likes of Chet Ch- uh, Pajara, who has come over and played a lot of county cricket, and he's been great, and it has been has really been successful, absolutely fantastic. So, so I actually think that the Indian batters have actually learned. I think historically, if you go back fifteen, you know, 10, 15 years, there was always this, you know, India and Pakistan don't do well when they play in seeming or bouncing mm-hmm. conditions, whether that's South Africa, England, Australia, New Zealand. We've, um, we've done New Zealand, we've done India with a few, yeah. few nice pitches, but th- I think they've put that to bed. So I think from a batting perspective, it's a little bit closer. Clearly. Um, Australia have had some success with Labashane and Smith coming over and playing some some county cricket and, mm. and probably getting a few. Have they scored uh, runs? Uh, Labashane scored some runs. Smith got one score, I think, and yep. yeah, a couple of he'll say dodgy lbs. Uh, so the, well, I don't really <laughs> well, care about one that. of them. Looked pretty dodgy to me. It, it did, but who cares? <laughs> read the scorebook. And um, so I think it, I actually think you know on balance it might actually just when we look at the ball being relatively even in terms of the impact of that jukes. I think it's the batting that I would say India might slightly uh, slightly shade it from a conditions perspective the oval always used to t- be the track that might turn okay. later in the summer but yep. that's typically that the oval is the last, last test, test match yeah. um, in August or even early September playing I think in uh, this part of you know this part of the year the early part of the summer I think what you're going to find is a pretty flat easy paced pitch and mm. um, I don't expect it to you know to turn a whole heap uh, so look I think it will be a yeah relatively flat um, I wouldn't necessarily say placid that you know that you do get a little bit more carry um, at the oval than potentially somewhere like Lords, um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's going to really play into the hands of you know um, it's it sort of turning into a Bunsen burner on day day four and day five. And mm. um, Bordy, let's come on to predictions. So we'll yeah we'll, we'll kind of yeah give a little bit of a view on whether we think it's going to be a draw and we you know we share the mace or whether we think there's enough in it to to predict a winner coming into this World Test Championship final. I might leave you with a final word, actually. Okay, do we'll, so. come, we'll come to Lippy first. I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm finding, I'm finding it quite hard to split these teams. I, I think when you go and look at this game, I, I do think there'll be a winner, mainly just because I kind of test cricket, if there is always a winner now. I mean, I'd be very surprised the way that the way that things are going, it'd have to be really, really placid for the to not be. And mm. yeah, I, I don't see that happening. I sort of think that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, very, very different conditions, but that last World Test Championship final, two, 249 was the highest score in the game. And yeah, obviously the, it was a lot of rain around, the ball swung, yeah. you know, different different kind of conditions. Different but, venue. Yeah, different venue. But I mean, even you look at the, I, I mentioned those uh, games, the first class games at the Oval, the last couple of games, it's been, you know, total innings scores has been 420, 420 in one game, 453 in the other. You know, no one re- really getting more than 300, 250. Yes, very, you know, it's going to be very different, different, different caliber of players. But yeah, I, I find it really hard to split them. I think probably I would go Australia, but just like very, very narrowly. I, I think a lot is going to come down to whether. Siraj and Shami can take early wickets. I think if they don't, it's going to be pretty hard going for for India and Smith, Labuschagne. You know, he'd he'd someone who you know he just burst out in that Australian summer, didn't he? And then we, there was all the questions of what what on earth are they doing not picking him in those India games over there? And you know, lots and lots of debate were around him. But it seemed like he was someone who 
kind of knew his game now. And if he's coming to... I know he opened in those games, started opening after Warner got injured. But if he can come in basically like he did in the Australian summer, if they can set the platform for him, the likes of Head, the likes of Green and Kerry, if they can come in with a platform, they can take, they're the kind of players that can take the game away. And whereas India without Rishabh Pant, he was, he was that player, wasn't yeah. he? He was that player that could come in and just take the game away from the other side if, uh, if they were well-placed. Now, I think for India, a lot rides on Pujara and Kohli kind of in that three and four in the same way, but then I don't know that they have quite the, the kick on. I think those two would have to get big scores. Yeah. So you're going with Australia. I'm narrowly shading it to Australia. So I'm going to assume Baldy's going to go with India because that's what he'll do, right? Yeah, so he'll, he'll, do, yeah. he'll do the kidology piece. Yeah. And from my perspective, I think if, if you'd have taken this back three or four years, I would have 100% um, said that I, I think that Australia are better prepared because mm. they've got the likes of Labashane, the likes of Smith, the likes of Nisa, whether he plays or not. Um, but, you know, some guys that have played a lot of cricket in, in England in county cricket particularly, yeah. um, and a couple of guys on the ground that are probably used to conditions. But I think if we look at what's happened over the course of the last three or four years, we've seen players come straight out of the IPL into big test match series and absolutely carve it up. And I think if I, you know, look through that Indian lineup, um, Shubman Gill's had an amazing IPL. Uh, Virat Kohli's had an amazing IPL. Um, we throw, look at, throw Rahane in there. We look at Rahane's had a pretty good IPL. Shami's had a pretty good IPL. Yes, Jadeja's had a very good IPL. Uh, with, Certainly with, last few moments. With, with, with the silverware. So, and I, I actually think that based on all of that, um, the fact that Smith and, and Labashane might have a few, you know, a few sort of clues around the English conditions in their head. But again, as I said, I do think there's a difference between first class pitches in not only England, mm. but uh, first class pitches and test match pitches. Um, and let's remember as well that the ICC are in charge of this pitch. So That's yeah, right, whilst yeah. clearly it's the, the groundsman, at, um, the, the, the Oval, that's a curator in um, Australia. Thanks very um, much. Th- they'll have been given some pretty clear instructions, I think, on, on what that's going to look like. And it will be a, a pitch that I think will, um, yeah, will, you know, will last five days. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as you said, I think we'll see a result. And I, I'm going to go with India. I think they're going to shade it based on the fact that they've got a lot of uh, a lot of what Raj would call momentum uh, going into this game, probably more so than than Australia for me. Don't don't get me wrong. I would I wanted India to win. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> just just Imagine as we as we lead into surprise. as we lead into your comments. Mm. So, so Baldi, over to you, Baldy. Other than India winning it, where, where are you going? <laughs> keys keys to victory for me are Australia need to post a really big first inning score and put okay. Andy, India out of the game. The longer this game goes on, the more and more I think it favours India. When it gets close, India have a belief that they can beat Australia because they've done it before in their home conditions and in Australian conditions. Mm. The longer this game goes on, I think the more and more chance that it gets towards the fourth innings where Ravi, uh, uh, Ravindra Jadeja and Ravi Chandran Ashwin become pivotal to India's success. So for me, Australia on days one, two and three have to put themselves in front in the first innings by a reasonably big margin. If they can do that, I think Australia can win. But if it is even Stevens after the first innings, I think India are, are going to be mentally and and also physically in front at from that point. And I think if it's close in the first innings, India will win. I, I do th- just to so add, just to add so just, of- just hold on because if, if you're not noticed, yeah. I know you're keen to jump in, but you haven't answered the question. Damn it. <laughs> Hoping that you wouldn't notice. Look, I actually think Australia will win this game. Oh, you beauty! I think I think we will. I, I'm I'm I, I think that Australia will win this game. I think it will be very 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 close. Um, but I think Australia have enough in that batting lineup that if they can get big first innings runs, then Australia can put the Indian batters under pressure. And and unless Jadeja and Ash and Ashwin get big scores somewhere, first or second innings, Australia have. Uh, um, the formula and the batters to be able to make a success of it. It's so, taken what four years? Four years for him to to predict as to actually back a back a team with his heart. Hooray. So I think we've got to end the segment on that. So we, we are going to go with a two-one uh, majority. Raj okay. not here to plead his case. So um, you heard it here first, viewers. Um, get your money um, on India on on, on on India out clearly, but uh, Australia. 2-1 from the top order mm. panel for the World Test Championship final which starts a little bit later mm. um, this week at the Kennington Oval um, good in, odds on India too in, to in, win uh, 270 you can get on India to win draw 550 there you go 
We'll be back after this very, very quick swish, and we're going to talk um, England Ireland wrap up. Well, we're back, boys. We we're are. going to talk a little bit of England Ireland. So, we will do a preview of the Ashes series coming up. So, whilst there's probably some talking points that sort of lead into that Ashes series, I think what we really want to talk about is this uh, is this test match, four day test match. Um, look, I, I guess really I'm, I'm interested in a little bit like we talked about the interest in the World Test Championship final, just really what the interest in this test match really is outside of an England cricket fan or an Ireland cricket fan. England, are, you know, a pretty handsome victory by 10 wickets. If it wasn't for some lusty blows at the end of the Ireland second innings from Mark Adair and Andy McBride, uh, both, you know, mid 80s or thereabouts, mm. um, you know, it would have been, yeah, it would have been an innings victory for uh, for England. And as it was, Zach Crawley came out and hit three of his first four balls for four in, uh, as he's wont to do to, to get <laughs> England to that 10 wicket win pretty, pretty comfortably. But yeah, any any thoughts really from from the neutral? I think when I was watching the parts that I saw of this game live, and and then you see the comments and stuff from from Balburni afterwards, I sort of just felt for Ireland. Like I think we talked about it a little bit last week, and they've almost been thrown to the wolves. I mean, like in the sense that in the sense that they've got bigger fish to fry coming up in a couple of weeks with this ICC tournament to get into the ODI World. ODI World Cup they've you know got Josh Little on the sidelines they haven't played first class cricket in Ireland since COVID you know like that that just hasn't been on offer to them so they're just not equipped to go into a test match against a side that's the form side of of the world at the moment the way that they're playing and just equip themselves in the way that they might want to and Mm. I, I don't know whether that we just go, okay, well, this was just circumstances or is this a red flag that we go, oh dear, this is like a big concern for test cricket and actually, you know, what does this actually mean? Can, you know, can we grow the game? And all, I don't, I think all of that feels like a big overreaction. And yes, just, it is. And they've just been thrown to the wolves in this game and it, and it hasn't gone especially well. If we measured every cricket nation by whether or not they get beaten by this England side and England side puts 500 on, there'd be a lot of test cricket sides that wouldn't be playing any more test cricket. <laughs> West Indies and New Zealand would be amongst them. Australia are just about to be amongst those as well. Hey, hey, um, we not drawn series over not, not from pre- New Zealand. Well, true. However... <laughs> There are circumstances that are um, conspiring against Ireland, if you like, but Irish never use that as an excuse, right? They're they're not a nation of people that make excuses. They're not a nation of people uh, that would hide behind excuses as a result of their performance. Ireland probably haven't acquitted themselves as well as they would have liked. Certain individuals in that team haven't stepped up and performed as well as they'd like to. But this is a very, very, very good English side. Mm. And for them, this is the ultimate hitter in preparation for the Ashes. I want to come to Adam with a bit of a question around what you saw from their bowlers because that was the thing for me that most impressed me in this particular test match. Sometimes batters are a bit rusty and that's okay. You get a good ball, you nick off or or what have you. But England's bowlers were absolutely on the money and... Ireland made them work hard in the second innings. So they got a really good hit out. This, to me, is a perfect hit out test match for England's bowlers in the lead up to the Ashes. Yeah, I think if I look at a hit out for the bowlers, yeah, absolutely. Realistically, though, are we going to see too much of Matthew Potts and, and Josh Tongue in the first couple of games? Look, with some injury worries now, that probably makes it more likely than it was three or four days ago that you might see um, potentially Josh Tongue in that in that game at Edgebaston. And mm. um, look, I, not surprisingly, I've got a slightly different take on it. Fair the, um I think it was a relatively flat wicket and I actually had some concerns, you know, when McBride and Adair are slapping around your uh, your attack, um, leading into a series where you've got the lights of Travis Head and Cameron Green and Alex Carey and, um, you know, down the order, I'm talking about the guys that can really take a game away if you mm. set some kind of reasonable platform. Um, 
it did concern me that we looked a little bit one-dimensional. Um, the probably the positive that I'll take uh, from it is you know Potts, um, particularly in the second innings, he bowled a fantastic spell early up. I think on the uh, would have been the third morning, and the ball was wobbling around a little bit. He, you know he was bowling the kind of lines and lengths that I think you, you know the Ireland guys just weren't good enough to nick off to. And I think the likes of uh, yeah Smith and Labuschagne probably would have been good enough to get an edge on on, on some of the balls in that uh, in that spell. And then again, look, personally, again, this is around the way that Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes want to play their cricket. Josh Tung was sitting on four wickets. He's got an opportunity to take five wickets on debut. And they kind of went, we want you to bowl three or four overs of bumpers here. When, you know, he'd bowled a really, really good full pitch up spell. Um, I'd have been kind of going to the skipper. Hey, I'm on. I'm on a five for here. <laughs> yeah. um, let me do what I'm successful at. But th- they wanted to see whether or not he mm. had that dimension in his armory, mm. and I, I think you know proved that he, you know, he did have enough pace to to rough up again um, some Ireland, you know, Ireland batters. So there's a couple of positives that I'll take. You know, I'll take from it. I think Australia were always going to get after whichever spinner England pick and that would have been Jack Leach unfortunately he's now got a stress factor in the lower back so mm. uh, we'll come on to the permutations there um, I think in terms of who might come in um, for him from a spin perspective I think, I think they'll pick a spinner mm. whether they play one or whether they go with five seamers we'll, we'll maybe talk about in a little bit more detail next um, next week but I do think this comes back to Ireland for me and they seemed only to be able to counter attack they took their white ball uh, credentials mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with the exception of James McCollum who I thought played really really well in that first innings for 36 mm-hmm. and then gave it away um, after he'd done you know all you know the old he'd cliche. be disappointed he'd, done, he'd, really he'd disappointed. done all of the hard work the wicket was you know the wicket was flat he'd you know he'd let the ball come to him he'd played really really late he'd put the, you know put anything with width away he'll be disappointed but if it wasn't for a bit of that counter attack from Sterling and then in that second innings from um, from Adair and, and from McBride then um, there's not a massive amount of positives and I think from a bowling perspective you know it sounds really really harsh but that they looked like a, a decent second division county attack at best yeah, yeah. Uh, through the course of, course of that game so but I, I think you, you alluded to it Stu this is a hell of a lot about the first half setup that they don't currently have yeah. Um, the, the fact that you know their county uh, county guys aren't able to play county cricket yeah, anymore because the lack, the lack of coal because they're, really cause they're really overseas up. players now. Um, so it, 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 it's got to be a question for the ICC around what do, you know. What do they want for those guys that were associate nations that they've now put some investment into um, to get you know ten, eleven, twelve teams at. Um, full level, full test um, status. Um, what do they want from from those teams? Because I can see Ireland saying, do "You know what? We don't really care about this. We're going to care about the yeah, the, we need to the, the two big white ball tournaments." I think. Yeah. Were you, were you surprised that they didn't give Harry Brook a knock? I mean, I, I was sitting there thinking, "Geez, I wonder if they'll go for a thousand here." But but uh, obviously, the draw of golf is golf that fun? Like they they just seem to want to finish the game early so that they can play golf. I'm not a big golfer, but is it that fun? You guys love golf. Uh, Johnny Bairstow would say not. <laughs> but many other England well, players. He didn't get a hit really either. So yeah. No, but but Brooks being out of form is more what I was thinking. Like you know, I kind of thought obviously those guys just bat duck it and um, and Pope just kind of took that out of his hands and they had enough clearly. But mm. I kind of thought maybe they'd give him you know see if he could get to fifty or something, kind of just to get him back in the swing yeah. of things before before the Ashes. Yeah, I just don't think that they think like that anymore. I, I just think that they think about they want to entertain and I think that there'd been a you know a criticism that five hundred runs was enough. Mm. Um and, you know, why are we batting on here? Um, you, this is not the way that we play cricket. We, we look at scoring our runs as quickly as we can, and we look at taking our wickets as quickly as we can. Um, and that didn't fit into that into that game plan. So I, I don't think you are going to see this England side at any point um, get someone into form or arguably get someone to a personal milestone or, or any of the kind of things that we associate with traditional Test cricket. They're going to do what they want to do in order to score runs at you know. Six uh, and a bit. Six and a bit and over. Um, 
and again don't really care about runs in terms of wicket taking either you look at uh paul sterling came in and you know normally if you go back a year or you know 18 months jack leach would have had three four five men out on that leg side for the sweep yeah and they just went nah you're like you'll hit one in the air eventually or you'll um you'll chop one on or you'll pop one up and and, and sure enough he did so I, I yeah look i just don't think that i have that mentality anymore mm-hmm the the thing that struck me, you know, talking about that, and I mean, you guys just alluded to the strike rates and all that kind of thing, and and Duckett obviously scored a you know a truckload of runs just then, and the stat that I saw throughout that that I just thought was amazing, and I, and I don't know what it ended up being, but he has left the ball eight times in his last. Well, I, th- I think it was the, the, as an opener, he had left the ball eight times out of six hundred and five balls, and I just kind of thought. What what is going on? Like you get the you get so many wide deliveries even in, as an opener mm. in a how, how has that even happened? But then I kind of think back to yeah when he was here and that was the thing that struck me the most that he's it, just scoring all the time and or just playing shots hits, all the time. He hits every ball. Um, look, it's going. It's a f- uh, let's not get into the Ashes preview because this is not the Ashes preview, but it makes for a fascinating battle I think with those Australian bowlers, particularly Cummins who likes to have a player kind of leave 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 must play you know that kind of thing look let's focus on this test match because Duckett and Pope were fantastic for England all their batters were outstanding I think um, it doesn't leave Bairstow or Brook with a lot of form going into into the next test matches but look ticks all all up and down the order for England I was particularly impressed with their bowlers because having been put under pressure they've now got some A miles in their legs and B they were able to respond and bowl Ireland out even though Ireland will put them under pressure I think they'll be better for that in in many ways which to me if I was England I'd be like good we've been given a test Ireland punched us in the mouth a bit now we know what that's going to be like. We are better prepared for that and we are mentally prepared, particularly guys like Potts and Tongue who haven't played a lot of test cricket, to be prepared to be in the dirt for a day. Like now they've got that experience and when it happens to them at some point in this Ashes series, they'll get a go, both of them, at least one of them, I think. Um, possibly both of them will get a go at some point. They'll at least have those yeah. miles under their legs. So I, like, I, I'm I'm seeing that as a really, really good thing. It, it is an enviable position, I think. I mean, you know... you. You talked last week about the the picking order, I guess, of all those seamers, and you listed off eleven names. I think you got to in the end. Four and, of them are injured. But, yeah, yeah. I, I know. And and but you know, again, putting it back to a New Zealand perspective, we had a couple of injuries, and suddenly it was like, oh my word! Who you know, pe- people in, around New Zealand were going, who have we got playing Test cricket? What is going on here? And now England are just bringing it. Like it, it seems like there is just a, a factory of these seamers and. You know, tongue comes in, bowls, you know... 91 miles an hour. 90, 90 miles an hour. Look, the goods. I saw a, a fantastic Derek Pringle tweet that said, uh, what did he say? Ireland licked by tongue, which which, <laughs> which, which made me chuckle. And he's, he's just coming in and doing the business. And, um, you know, I guess, you know, we've already just talked about Ireland weren't, you know, well-equipped for, for this game necessarily. But, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a huge positive that England can just keep, keep put, bringing in. Potts was the one last summer that came in. Did the business yeah. two years ago? It was Ollie Robinson yeah. three years ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah and Joffre before that. So th- there is just there is a, a real quality seam seam attack, and I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. I, it starts to get to the point of I don't know who you start to pick, and and you're pretty well equipped for when Anderson and Broad, if they ever do, disappear off into well, that's the, four or five years into away the sunset. Yet. That's a long. That's a long time away yet before they retire. Well, look, I'm sure we could chat about that all night. We will chat more of it on the Ashes preview uh, next week. But for now, it is going to be good night and good bless from us all here in Auckland. We will be back in your feeds um, with a review of this World Test Championship final. Ashes preview next week. We've got Cricketing Hall of Fame and then mm-hmm. uh, test matches back to back for about the next 13 weeks or something like that. <laughs> so uh, stay tuned into the feed. Um, but for now, as I said, it's good night and God bless from us all here in Auckland. We'll see you soon. Good night. Good night.